0: Business as Unusual
1: is a thought-provoking podcast that explores the innovative strategies, disruptive ideas, and unconventional practices driving successful leaders and companies in the ever-evolving world of modern business. Subscribe, comment, and share for weekly inspiration with our host, Aisela. Welcome to Business is Unusual with Dr. Dora Wolf, who's going to talk about being a mental health mentor. Uh, business is Unusual is a podcast where we talk about people who are innovating new ways of doing business and creating a world that works for all of us. So I will let uh, Dr. Dora Wolf tell you a little bit more about what she's up to uh, before we get going. And I hope you guys have some questions for us.
0: So hello. Uh, thank you for having me on your show today. I'm really excited. Um, I'm a licensed clinical psychologist and I've been practicing for over 20 years now working with patients. I had a private practice for 17 of those years um, and was truly grateful to work with all the patients that I did. Um, And then I made a conscious decision a couple years ago that I was going to um, migrate away from one-on-one interaction with patients and hopefully open up a platform where I could Inspire, educate, and motivate people to make their mental health a priority. Um, So the idea of your mental health mentor was born. And um, I'm getting ready to launch it right after the first of the year. Um, And so this is my first opportunity to talk about it. Uh, There'll be webinars, podcasts, um, classes that you can take. And I'm really excited and hope a lot of people will... uh, Come be a part of this journey with me. Mm-hmm.
1: I yeah, I think it's such a a great idea and and a needed niche or service. I, I mean, I don't have to tell you that mental health services in our country are very much needed and also very difficult to access for most people. Uh, and so, uh, I think I would I would be surprised that if anyone could. Get through sharing, you know, some aspect of their life experience without noting a place where that lack caused them a not great impact. So, um, yeah, absolutely. And I think people just really need
0: information, and I think that they need information from sources that they feel they can trust. We are just bombarded Mm -hmm. with so much on the internet now, Mm -hmm. Um, and it's really hard to kind of navigate through. And Mm -hmm. one of the One of the downsides of being someone like me, a psychologist, is that we are typically seeing people after there's already an issue and they're coming to our office. And by the time they get to our office, they're typically hurting pretty badly. Mm -hmm. Um, And after working with patients for so long, one of the things I realized was that there is so much we can do on the front end um, to build resilience and to help navigate problems even before they start and certainly in the early stages before people are finally hurting so much that they feel that they have to um, seek professional help and there wasn't really an outlet for that because in order for a patient to come see me um, most patients are using insurance um, and if i don't diagnose them I can't continue to see them, right, for right. the insurance. So a lot of people would come in and they would just have questions. They were concerned, rightfully so, um, but needed information, didn't need me to diagnose them. They mm-hmm. needed me to give them information.
1: Um, right. And
0: so that was one of the ways that I thought uh, if I can put myself out there and be able to give uh, people this information, um,
1: mm-hmm.
0: how blessed I would feel.
1: Yeah. to be able. Yeah. And that i mean i know my own experience you're making me think about it that oftentimes what i need and what i think i need aren't aligned right Mm -hmm. because i'm also i'm the subject of my own observation so i might my that's the whole point of a professional um and so i feel like it can take some time like i i thought i sought therapy because i i had a crisis you know my mid-20s like Mm -hmm. many people and i thought my problem was this one thing That wasn't it at all. But that was just where the crisis showed up. You know, the actual support Mm -hmm. and effort and work I needed to do was over here. But that wasn't evident right away. It took some time to kind of like experience that and to get some sense of like what was actually happening. So I could see how as a professional that might have been kind of frustrating.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think that I I work in trauma um, Mm -hmm. and attachment disorders. So I had either people who were on the severe end of the spectrum who kind of were, would hunker down for long-term treatment with me. Um, Mm -hmm. and then, like I said, but even with their family members, um, who were trying to navigate how to help this person, um, and how to, um, help themselves, or if they were going to have children, you know, how do I prevent my child from, um, developing a mental health issue down the road? There's, Mm -hmm. So much that we can do Um, dealing with mental illness as long as I have really opened my eyes and my patients working with them and learning from them really opened my eyes in terms of where we can interject um, Mm -hmm. and how we can take care of ourselves uh, before or even during treatment because an hour a week with a professional um, Mm -hmm. just isn't enough for so many Mm -hmm. people and we need those foundations of mental health. Um, which is everything from what we're eating to um, who our support system is, how we're treating our bodies. Um, There are just all these different foundations that we really need to target and take care of Mm -hmm. uh, so that we either um, avoid going into a psychologist's office um, or we have this in addition to our treatment so -hmm. that we can build up that resilience and we can navigate um, through any of these issues that we're having.
1: Right. Well, and I like that the prevention or the proactive approach. I, I also have been noodling on, um, the, this distinction between sort of like a, a body of behavioral work that I'm going to call sort of like the, the self-help, um, but like kind of girl culture thing. And then like that that investment in education and information and, part of it for me, like I have a, a really good friend who has been a, a life coach for a long time. And, and as her, in her own experience, like that's something she's constantly aware of. Like there's this guru culture thing that is very like insidious. And, and I, and I realized that like, there's a dependency model to that, that, that is part of the issue that I, from my very limited <laughs> scope, right. But I think the other part of it is that difference between, um, Education and being reminded of sort of like uh, best practices or or medical or information that's more objective, as opposed to um, you know that that other thing. But as part of an antidote to the thousands of messages we get every day that are incredibly unhealthy. And yet our kind of business is unusual, our business as usual, the opposite of my show. Like there are things that, you know, we see modeled for us in leaders and in bad reactions to to problems or, or aggrandized reactions that are actually quite unhealthy and recognizing that wanting to constantly be present, presented with education that counters that. Is is probably one of the the best antidotes that we can we can have because it's not modeled like what we get what gets delivered to our door is not going to lead us to joy happiness and health in my opinion most of the time.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I absolutely agree with that, and I, I think that um, it it's very alarming. I mean, I was mm-hmm. reading that uh, there are all kinds of people popping up now with this mental health crisis that aren't even. Um, you know, licensed or don't have any sort of degree to be offering mental health services. Mm -hmm. And yet they are, um, Mm -hmm. and kids are going to all these different platforms and learning about certain things. And, um, I know there's the good, the bad and the ugly when it comes to, you know, social media and all of these platforms. So, um, my goal is again, to just be a voice and just to help people understand that you are the expert of you and, um, there's not a a cookie cutter approach. It's not a one size fits all for everybody in terms of what um, may be helpful for them. But Mm -hmm. my job I have felt has always been to educate people in terms of what's out there, what the possibilities are. Um, And then for them to be able to use that information to decide what may be best practices for themselves or their children, their family members. Mm -hmm. Um, I've worked a long time as a psychologist. And so when I decided to do this, it was, well, I'm not treating people right through this platform. So I'm not being your psychologist or your provider in that way. Um, So I was looking for a word.
1: Uh, mm-hmm. You know, how,
0: how can I describe myself and um, coach didn't quite fit and teacher didn't quite fit. And so I was kind of, um, I worked on this actually for several months and then all of a sudden mentor, um, you know, mm-hmm. came up and the idea of a mentor is somebody who, you know, knows a lot of information mm-hmm. and is willing to share that and guide other people with it. And mm-hmm. um, that's always been part of my job as a psychologist is to continue to learn. Mm -hmm. Um, I have a passion for learning and a passion for mental health. And so I've always prided myself on trying to take a lot of this information that some people might not find so interesting (laughs) and make it interesting for people Mm -hmm. um, so that they say, hey, that makes sense. And hey, I want to do that. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, it's not very hard. We can take a lot of complicated uh, topics like the brain and really make them user friendly for people. So mm-hmm. that they can understand and grasp that knowledge, and then really feel empowered to make these changes in their lives.
1: Mm-hmm. Something that you said earlier about like recognizing that there's not cookie cutter approaches. I I just I really appreciate that because I think that it it's really easy. And and what's it? That's a, an old AA saying, right? Um, we always compare our insides to other people's outsides. Mm-hmm. So, so you, you look at the world or, you know, whether it's Instagram or the newspaper, you know, back in the day, Cosmo, and you're like, oh, wow, like they've got it together. And the reality is everybody's got this squishy world inside and we're all finding our own way of dealing with it. And um, just reminding that, like, you know, what, what you need, what works for you, that there's no uh, moral judgment on that. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously outside certain caveats, but like that, what you need to get stable and connected, if you need to be at home and not talk to people, or you need to be out and engage, like you, you get to discover that it's kind of sweet. Mm-hmm. And instead it's like, it's almost like there's this weird sort of, you know, the, you know, when you're, we get, we put this pressure on ourselves or maybe it's, it's a combination of things to like be a certain way. And that makes it so hard to discover that. Do you have like a, a way that you found can help people feel more comfortable in that space of like, it's okay that you're, you know, maybe, you know, you need it this way and your kids need it this way. Or how does that, does that play into any of the work that you've done?
0: Sure. I think it's a lot about um, connection and communication. And if you are truly listening to somebody and how they are navigating through their lives and they may say, you know, I'm not sure this is the right way of doing things, um, or this is the best way of doing things. Um, Part of it is saying, why does that work for you? Um, And they may be doing something that is, uh, you know, along the, the right path, and there's nothing they need to change. Or it might be something that they're doing, maybe they're abusing substances in some way. Um, They say, you know, the the only way I can relax is to have three glasses of wine or the only way I can relax is to um, smoke marijuana at night or whatever it may be. And it's about having a conversation to say, how does that make you feel when you drink the wine or uh, smoke marijuana? People will say something like it helps me sleep or it helps me to unwind and relax. And so that opens a conversation about, okay, let's talk about what's happening physiologically when you're doing something like that. And then we can talk about other things that can have the same impact for you. Um, Because one of the caveats to using one of those other substances is that there's going to be some side effects, some things we don't necessarily like so much. Mm -hmm. Um, And again, it's your choice. If it's something that you feel is working for you, um, then I am all for it. But I think that when we get into kind of Breaking things down and talking about things, people can realize things like for, with alcohol, for example, it may help us fall asleep, but it disrupts our um, deeper stages of sleep. Mm-hmm. And so, um, when I will ask people, So, when do you wake up in the morning, then do you feel refreshed and ready to go? And almost undoubtedly, the answer is no. Right. <laughs> now I need caffeine to get me going. Um, so yeah. it's just, it's having that conversation, helping people to understand, um, and then talking about different options they may have, their family members have, um, because you're right. Different things work for different people.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, and it's, it, I feel like there's, you know, to that end, right? Like if you have a crutch, you know, like anything, like it, I think there's an awareness piece, like, Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm super amped. I, you know, whatever, mm-hmm. but that awareness piece can be helpful. Cause yeah, I know. I, I got so mad at one point when I realized, like, if I had alcohol before bed, I would fall asleep way faster because I have a hard time falling asleep. Right. But the sugar would wake me up. I'd like a sugar (laughs) rush like two hours later and I'd be just up and I'm like, no, you're betraying me. (laughs) Yeah. And yet, you know, and so but making that connection. Because I didn't know that's what it was for a long Mm -hmm. time. And then someone randomly mentioned that. And I was like, you have just ruined it. Thank you, I guess. But also thank you. I mean, (laughs) because it was happening whether I knew it or not. Mm -hmm. And then I understood like, okay, so I need to pay attention to that. Like, I think it's helping me sleep. And, you know, in one perspective, it's getting me to sleep. But then wakes me up because I get a sugar rush. Exactly. And and sleep is
0: arguably one of the biggest issues we are facing in this country. Um, it is just, it, it is, if people understood the impact that lack of and not even just lack of sleep, because people might say I sleep seven or eight hours, but that doesn't mean they're getting quality sleep. Mm-hmm. And so, um, this, you know, being on computers and social media and all of this, we have just really put our brains through a ringer mm-hmm. with how we do things now. And so, nobody is going to just simply get off their computers. Um, you know, we, we need them, um, Mm -hmm. to do all the things that we do. So we kind of talk about, okay, how do we structure our lives then to make sure that all of this has the least amount of impact and Mm -hmm. people, one person may be a lot more sensitive than another person. So it really is knowing yourself, understanding how things work. And then it's a lot of trial and error, um, Mm -hmm. to say, this is working, or this isn't working, or that makes a lot of sense to me. And I'd like to incorporate that versus that doesn't interest me. So I'm going to kind of move on. Right.
1: Well, and it's interestingly, you know, say that, and it's actually one of the things that I realized I needed to work on is simply finding a way to sleep. And I, I uh, was I hate that I have learned so much about mental health from TikTok, but <laughs> <laughs> but this one person, like he, they posted a video and they were talking about the difference between people who fall asleep and the and people who pass out, mm. and not like from alcohol per se. But I was like, oh, I, you know, I, I had definitely a trauma. I, my sleep was apps has been affected. It you know, and then other things, right? And I'm like, oh. Crap, I'm like looking guilty. I'm like, I don't fall asleep very often. Yeah, I pass out. Like, I either you know watch TV until I can't stay awake or you know push myself with such a busy day that I have yeah. to sleep. But that process of like actually falling asleep is like actually sort of alien to me, and I've been kind of dedicating myself to a little bit understanding like what what's what's affecting it and and mm-hmm. how like and how do I how do I engage myself in a healthy path to which is irritatingly something I should know how to do <laughs> like, <laughs> I was like come on you should not have to learn how to sleep but I do When I hear yeah. and, and that's the tricky right because the things that help me pass out like tv or play, like watching videos or whatever they yeah. also disrupt that sleep right so right
0: right And I I think that's what people sort of come to realize is that we do physiologically know how to sleep and know how to get to sleep. What we really need to learn is how to get out of our own way
1: (laughs) so that our our,
0: our body knows what to do. Mm -hmm. Uh, But we have a tendency to get in the way of our physiology. It's all about the rhythms in our body. Mm -hmm. And we do a lot of things that end up disrupting those rhythms. Um, Mm -hmm. And then our body gets out of whack and we have all of these issues. But if we just get out of our own way, (laughs) our body will step in and know how to fall asleep and know how to sleep well and all of those things, the overwhelming majority of the time. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that's another thing too, when you're dealing with mental health issues is that the, the, I call it the foundations of mental health. Mm -hmm. And when I would work with patients, we would talk about, Look, there are so many pathways to any mental health diagnosis that you can name. Mm -hmm. And so the way we live our lives so tremendously impacts that, that our first line of defense is always to make sure our foundational health care is in check. So that's our sleeping, that is our eating, that is our stress management, that is our connection and our social support. We need to make sure all of these are optimized because what you'll find is that whatever struggle you have, anxiety, depression, you name it, you will start to see that recede. Now, for some people, if they get those foundational things in place, it's like magic. They no longer have the depression or the, the anxiety that they're dealing with. For other people, what we see is those levels come down. And then whatever we're left with, we then target treatment for that. Mm-hmm. But I would tell people you could have the most wonderful um, psychologist or therapist in the world that you're dealing with. But if you're doing that for an hour a week and then you're going home and you are in front of a computer for 15 hours, you're eating fast food three times a day. You are in a terrible relationship. um, You are climbing an uphill battle then. Mm -hmm. And so we really want to take charge of our, um, Of our health and of our day-to-day foundational um, life and healthcare, and then I think people are pleasantly surprised at the outcome.
1: Yeah, I it's you're so right. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know why it's so hard. It's like
0: yeah,
1: I know better, right? And then Mm -hmm. I still and sometimes I feel like I'm a toddler in myself against the parent in myself. Like I'm sitting here going, well, it looks like this is what we should do. And then I'm like stomping my like mental foot going, well, I don't want to go to bed. I'm not sleepy. Yeah. It's yeah. like, what is happening? <laughs> an adult woman. Well, this should not be a conversation I'm having with myself, but apparently it is. Yes.
0: <laughs> yeah, And I think it's one of the reasons why we need support, right? And why we need somebody like a mentor that can remind us of certain things and say, hey, by the way, I get it. Like I live it too. Um, Mm -hmm. We're not in this field and magically we do everything right. (laughs) We have our struggles. And so I think that that's part of it too, is empathizing with how difficult it can be Mm -hmm. to, you know, make sure our sleep is in check, parenting issues, relational issues, food issues, all of these things that we're bombarded with. Um, And so uh, I I completely empathize with how difficult it can be to keep Mm -hmm. everything in check.
1: Yeah. Well, and it's funny, I, I went through some difficult personal things, and I was having a rough time. And I was talking to a friend of mine about that I was, um, I was struggling to certain way find the right influences. Mm-hmm. And he said, I'll summarize, I'm, you know, probably reforming his words, but he said something like, I found that if I'm, if I'm spiraling into a bad place, the best thing for me to do is activities that I find fulfilling with, on my own or with people that I feel like a positive engagement with, like a respect mm-hmm. or, and I was like, all right, I can't change all these other circumstances, but I can change where I direct my focus. Absolutely. And so, and I, I started to make that shift, which is also how I met two of the people who are in our chat right now. Hi, Jonathan and Mikey. Huh? <laughs> they, they were part of that shift. It's was like, all right, now I can, and it, and it took a while, like it's been a few years that I've been slowly because I, I find that most of my best and longest term changes come from that, that slow incremental effort. Mm-hmm. But it really did make a difference, partially just I didn't have time for the other stuff. I'm like, oh, I'm out of t- I don't I can't do that. I got I got this thing that's really cool that I'm doing. And I've got this awesome person I'm going to go like hang out with. Like, I can't yeah. I can't do it anymore. There's no time. But it didn't happen immediately. And it was absolutely a conscious choice. And, and that person's advice, like what you're saying, that information was a big part of it because it wasn't that I didn't see that things were problematic mm-hmm. or causing me harm. I was just so in it for a bunch of different reasons that I, I couldn't generate something simple like, which so seems obvious, right? Like you're having a hard time, do things that are fulfilling, like obviously, but at the time I couldn't get there. Yeah. <laughs> I needed that person to say that. And so having some a place where you can go for someone to provide that in a more, like, I guess, formal or uh, intentional way. I mean, so we need our friends, too. But right, that right. seems like a really positive offering uh, for folks. And I, I really hope folks come in. T- Do you have a website uh, link for it that I can pop up here? Did you already send me that? Uh,
0: no, the website is in development. Um, okay. We just I'm on LinkedIn. And then we just launched the Facebook page so that you can either go to your mental health mentor on Facebook or Dr. Dora Wolf and that page should uh, pop up and that will keep, I will keep everybody informed of everything as it is um, rolling out.
1: Okay. And I'll get those. So one of the things that I do is I'll put stuff like that in the little YouTube notes and the Apple podcast so people can hopefully find you. Cause this feels really, I, you know, I've just watched so many things that are occurring in our sort of a modern landscape that feel grounded in this loss of connection Mm -hmm. and um not having a place to go for that kind of support when you or not being able to afford it when i first started going to a therapist around my mother was sick uh, she had dementia but we also had like a really difficult relationship and i actually was trying to figure out how to work through that process of showing up for her and was talking to a friend of mine, and I was like, Oh, my friends, wonderful though they are, cannot be my only support in this. Like, this is way too big for my friends to be dealing with, right? They can be there for me in a certain way, but this other level I need. And I found a therapist who specialized in that. And then she gave, you know, she did a sliding scale. So I was very blessed in that way. But it's not always available. Like I I write you, know, finding even the right therapist sometimes can take, you know, six people <laughs> <laughs> because there's just so, Absolutely. there's so much. It's like, it's like dating, but <laughs> you know, it, really, like, it, it really is. Yeah. It's, it's a relationship. The right match. It Absolutely. Is.
0: Absolutely. <laughs> but it's a relationship
1: of deep trust that has a huge influence and mm-hmm. in like, and, and just even stylistically, like someone could, there are there more than one therapist that I talked to who was a good, like fit in a certain way. Like I'm sure they were very good at what they did. It just mm-hmm. wasn't the right fit for me. And so it's like, and that process can be exhausting too. So, you know, just even having something basic feels like really like a great idea. And Um, I think that
0: people even being able to have information like that, you know, because it can be, they might go to one therapist and they don't click and all of a sudden they think therapy isn't for me,
1: you know? So mm -hmm. just
0: that understanding of it it, it is a process. And I like that you um, likened it to dating because yeah. you are getting involved in this relationship <laughs> with somebody that you are going to talk about things that you've probably never talked to anyone else about. Um, mm-hmm. And so the idea of feeling connected to that person, feeling safe, um, and feeling like they get you is something that's really important.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you said you, you you sort of work a lot with uh, with trauma. And, mm-hmm. you know, I feel like the last couple of years, especially, we've been in this, like, intense larger social trauma as well as all the normal social traumas mm-hmm. <laughs> as well as all the other traumas how I mean how do you feel like that's showing up or is there something that you like do you have like a trauma track do you think people even know when they're trauma I don't feel like I do I feel like I get out of trauma I start dealing and then like four years later I'm like whoa that was out, what what like, yeah. yeah so yeah
0: no I think that's a very good point I do think that um when we talk about trauma, I think it's important to recognize that we have all experienced or certainly will experience trauma in our life, right? Trauma in its simplest form is simply something that our psychological self is overwhelmed by and incapable of handling, um, in that given moment or that given time that we're experiencing something. And we can all relate to that. And because I think a lot of times people might think of trauma as, um, you know, being involved in a natural disaster or having been involved in the military or something of that nature, you're right. A lot of people say, oh, I've never had trauma um, or they don't realize that something in their life has really been traumatizing to them. Mm -hmm. Um, And so one of the things that I'm really glad there has been a push to something called trauma-informed therapy because people will come into therapy um, thinking, maybe I have some anxiety or I have some depression or I don't even know what's wrong but something is wrong or wives drag their husbands in, you know, things (laughs) of that nature. Um, And what we start to see is as we're discussing things and peeling back the layers that there is trauma in their life. And so we deal with trauma differently than if somebody had depression without them. And I think what people have found more than anything is that so many people coming in are dealing with trauma. And if we don't, acknowledge that and we don't, um, take a look at that and treat that, um, we are missing a very big part of the healing process. And then people Mm -hmm. might find themselves in kind of cyclical patterns of coming in and out of therapy. And Mm -hmm. so I certainly advise people to seek out a therapist who is trauma informed, even Mm -hmm. if they don't necessarily think that they're going into therapy because of trauma. Um, because mm-hmm. I think that then you're covering all the bases uh, when you're, <laughs> when you are heading into therapy.
1: Mm-hmm. That makes a lot of sense. Is that something also that in this mental health mentor role that there would be like a some uh, guidance on how to, you know, match make yourself into the right therapy relationship for you or? Yeah, absolutely. It, I think
0: okay. that um, th- that's why I put your in front of it, like I'm your mental health mentor, right? So I really hope Mm -hmm. to be interacting with people and answering the questions that they have. And, you know, Mm -hmm. how can I serve you? What is it that you need the answers to? Um, We are flooded with so much information. And Mm -hmm. one of the gifts of being a psychologist is that we're trained in research. And so I can take a look at research and let you know, this is some good, significant, research, or I can let you know, this is crap, right? And yet, and yet the headlines might, you know, say something that people think, oh, this is wonderful. Mm -hmm. Um, And not so much, you know, there's a lot of that pseudoscience that gets thrown out there um, and makes headlines. And then we have a lot of really disappointed people. um, Because again, if it were that easy, uh, we would, we wouldn't be dealing with all the things that we're dealing with now. Um, mm-hmm. And so I I like to think that I do the work um, for people and mm-hmm. then I'm able to say, hey, here's some great research that's out here now. Here's, you know, stuff that I really kind of question and I think you should, too. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm just able to provide um, as much information as possible in the in the realm of mental health.
1: hmm. Now that I hadn't actually thought about that, that the the training in research and um, assessment of validity, if you will, because <laughs> right. that's the 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 that the, the ability to distinguish between things that have been maybe appropriately vetted or created versus things that are uh, misleading, but sound really great mm-hmm. and sound great for those of us who are, you know, frankly, maybe in a space of trauma, right? Like we, we desperately want something that will be get More manageable in that moment. And so, yeah, I hadn't really thought about that. Like that, the psychologist also offers that, could offer that, whether it's overt or not, support in sort of distinguishing, like, here's what can be more effective for you versus not. So, huh, it's a, um, sorry, I was going to, I'm going to think about that for a second work to get back here. <laughs> and then here also the Facebook uh, page, I I've, I've, I've pulled that up. So I'm going to add that to the um, thing for a second. So, and I'll put this in the notes too, but this is her, the, your mental health. And it was very easy to find. She's totally right about that. Awesome. So, <laughs> um, and is there going to be a community then like, so people could, uh, or, in that, Like if you have a Facebook page, are you expecting that people will also be ga- engaging with each other around these questions? Or
0: Yeah, I would love to have that happen. Um, I am very new to social media. I'm one of the dinosaurs that, um, you know, I joined LinkedIn about two years ago and Facebook about a year ago <laughs> mm-hmm. and um, have not been on any of the other social media platforms. So I'm learning too as I go along. And, you know, these different groups and things that that these platforms have to offer. And I do think that that would be great because I think everybody needs a safe space Mm -hmm. where they can not only hopefully connect with me, but connect with each other. Um, And that's how we learn and how we grow and, you know, feel supported through everything that we're experiencing
1: in life. Mm -hmm. No, I mean, I thought that social piece, I've been thinking about that a lot lately where that there's a we sort of clump stuff together and 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 we actually need our own mental health and our own engagement around what we're up to and we also need that social engagement mm-hmm. and community values right like the way that we say oh this this is what we kind of li- lift up and maybe we don't hurt each other right like mm-hmm. <laughs> and that kind of thing and just realizing that um that they get pushed together right like that it's you know when two people talk about something it's you know it's not always clear is this a personal thing like i i used to do a lot of work in um the lgbtq uh and sex positive communities and people be like you know i fill my needs no one else fills my needs and i'm like that's fair we all need to know what our needs are be clear about Mm -hmm. how to fill them and what we're talking about actually in these spaces is relationship needs and companionship needs we're talking about You know, and maybe I have some unfulfilled personal needs that I need to work on. It's a me problem. However, if the answer is always that, then I feel like what you're saying is relationships don't have their own ecosystem. And I don't agree with that. I think that our our friendships, our partnerships, our family relationships, our community and social relationships, we also have needs in those spaces. Mm -hmm. And we can't actually fill them ourselves. They are by nature, you know, an interactive need, if you will. (laughs) And so, yeah. separating that out feels important to me, and being clear that they're they're all valid. It used to be just dis- mm-hmm. I can't ask you as my mental health mentor to fill my relationship or my personal need. Like I need to distinguish which one's which. But it's also unfair to say, well, if you're not fulfilling all your needs yourself, you're unhealthy. Because I've heard mm-hmm. that, and I'm like, that's not. I don't think that's true either. <laughs> yeah, no. I mean, we are we're, we are
0: literally wired physiologically to be social beings. That's that's mm-hmm. how we survived through you know evolution. Um, And so there definitely is that social piece. And I think if people are um, uh, kind of defending against that, I think that that's something to look at because that certainly is part part of that foundational sense of well-being is Mm -hmm. having a good support system. And that looks different for everybody. Um, I always say to people, if you have at least one other person in your life that you trust, that you feel safe with, that you are connected to, that is the, your go-to person when life is good or bad, um, then that's saying a lot because there are a lot of people that don't even have that. Mm-hmm. Um, but to think that we don't need anyone else but us to be okay, um, I, I would disagree with that um, simply based off the way that, again, we're we're hardwired as humans and that is to connect with other
1: humans. Mm -hmm. There was a thing going around a few years ago from a, a, I believe an older study that, that said that men's health and mental health could be assessed pretty well by asking them this one question of who would you go to in the middle of the night other than your significant other, if you were in pain, distress, or, or health. And if they couldn't answer that question, they were probably not going to be okay <laughs> if they didn't have it yeah. um and because so many men like we, they rely on women especially you know the heterosexual mm-hmm. normativity of like they often rely on the women in their lives to manage their social engagements mm-hmm. and they don't really have any other ed- other than that usually a significant other that they would actually be, feel comfortable seeking out in a time of distress or pain yeah and i'm like yeah no i could easily say three people that I would feel zero issue calling in the middle of the night for an yeah. emergency. I would call to be like, I just watched Buffy, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and then um, you know, a few others that I might feel oh, like a hesitation, but would know they would show up for me. Yeah, and I'm just like, huh, okay. Whereas most many of the men that I know, because I started asking, were like, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> and I'm like, huh, yeah, and yeah. like so you're saying, like not having that. And then recognizing that you know that there there's a real benefit to it and a loss when you don't. Um, Absolutely, and I think that that can be also an issue
0: for women because if you kind of look at that role of women as being caretakers, um, wives, uh, mothers, etc., that a lot of times we give, 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 mm-hmm. and we don't necessarily uh, reach out for help and support as easily. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not as, is a comfortable a role. And a lot of women will say, I don't have time. Like right. I'm, I'm taking care of everyone else. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that whole kind of being able to educate and reframe around that too. Um, we need to take care of ourselves. We, we, we can't give to others indefinitely without taking mm-hmm. care of us. Um, everybody yeah. suffers as a result of that.
1: Yeah. I had a, I did a blog on that. This is one of the things when I work in my consulting business with my clients is I talk about what my values and one of them is sustainability. Mm-hmm. And it's partially from doing a lot of social justice activism because people have come in, they're revved up and they wanna work hundred hours a week. And I'm like, here's the deal. If that would fix it, I'd be so for it. Yeah. And that's just not how this works, right? There's a marathon, not a sprint. And if it matters to me today, it's likely to matter to me tomorrow. So I need as part of today's work to include an awareness that I have to work tomorrow too. <laughs> <laughs> and, yes. you know, and so finding that balance and and that fulfillment, like what am I working for? Well, I'm working because I want the world to be better. So I need to enjoy it. I need to go out and spend time with people or go to a concert or nature and engage with my kids. And absolutely. But it's seductive, too, because I do think that workaholism is one of the few addictions we are comfortable with and actually almost elevate in, in our in our culture. And in like really letting go of that as a, as an ideal, almost like I'm all for work ethic. I'm, I love it. And it's not like you said, it's a draining thing. You're not going to sustain yourself if that's where you're um, letting yourself live. Um, But it's seductive for sure. (laughs) Absolutely.
0: It's like a badge of honor, just like lack of sleep. You know, Mm -hmm. people would say, I only need four hours or whatever it may be. Um, Mm -hmm. Or I'll sleep when I'm dead. You know, that was a, a kind of really popular thing that people would say. And I think it's a very good point that it is about sustainability. And it is about getting through not just this week or this month or even this year, but getting through our entire lives with quality of life. Um, and, uh, you know, you might feel you're in your twenties or your thirties and you can go, 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 go. Um, but what is that going to look like when you're in your forties, fifties and beyond? And so we really want to get in there and make taking care of ourselves, um, something to be proud of Mm -hmm. and something not to look like we are being, um, you know, less than, the type A personality, if we are making sure we're getting eight hours of sleep and we're making sure that we are taking the time to eat well mm-hmm. um, and and all of those things. And it's it's that re-educating of what we want success to look like and mm-hmm. what we want lifelong well-being to look like.
1: Mm-hmm. Now, I think that's a really important point, that the, that the definition of success right now includes some – Uh, culturally, obviously, everyone's got their own. um, But it includes some things that are counterproductive to long term success and health and those kinds of things. So I have this whole list of questions, but I just dove in with you, because it's amazing. (laughs) But I do want to ask one thing, like, I know, uh, this kind of work can be draining. So what do you do to, to inspire yourself? I mean, your launch, your creating sounds like kind of a big deal. It's, there's a lot to that. Like, how do you keep yourself up in the face of challenges or roadblocks box or just some of the discouraging things that show up. Sure. And, and I did, I had to learn the hard way.
0: Um, when I first started the practice, uh, this is going back 18 years ago. You know, I, I truly love what I do. And so I could not wait to get in there and to work with people and to build this practice and, and do all of these things. And I did have a lot of success Um, around that, but really what ended up coming in in last place was me. Mm -hmm. Um, So I was also a wife, I was a mother, and it was a lot to juggle. And there was part of me that was saying, oh, I I have it all, I truly have it all. Um, And then there was another part of me that I wasn't acknowledging, which was I wasn't sleeping very well, I wasn't eating very well, um, and I ended up having some health issues Uh, About a decade into it that I needed to really take a step back and say, you're not practicing what you preach. And so Mm -hmm. I really had a huge overhaul of things. And um, a a very big part of my life now is taking care of that foundation. Um, Sleep Mm -hmm. is the number one thing in our household. Um, Mm -hmm. We prioritize sleep. We, We have a whole regimen around sleep. Um, and combating some of these things that we all are, like the blue lights um, and, and what have you. So sleep is really important. Um, we prioritize connection in our family, um, having time together. And that took a while too, because um, you know this idea of just having the time to sit down and eat dinner as a family um, and having those conversations. We don't get to do it all the time. Everyone's busy doing their, their stuff, But we can prioritize it to say it matters enough to us that we make sure that we are engaged in it as much as we possibly can. It's Mm -hmm. very easy to let those kind of things go. Um, And same thing with how we eat, um, getting exercise in every day. And for me, meditation Mm -hmm. uh, has been a lifesaver, making sure that I am uh, practicing that every
1: Mm -hmm. day. No, it is it's a huge uh, benefit. and um that's a great list. Thank you for sharing your yeah. your process. and for I'm excited to see your website make sure I'm on whatever list you have or I'll, or it, do I go to your website or whatever if I want to make sure I should probably take responsibility for that. <laughs> <laughs> that's not fair. Uh, let me double check. But but I, yeah, I promise I will keep everybody posted through that
0: Facebook page. okay, that's right um, you the know, how to get, yeah, yep.
1: Okay, I liked it, so I'm oh, in. Thank you, awesome. And thank then um, we're going to do a show in a couple weeks uh, with uh, Jeff Leitner. He is a social innovator who mm-hmm. has been working with. Um, I don't even know. He's such. He's one of those folks who he does so many things. It's hard to like pin it down. Um, but he he talks a lot about social norms and how we change behavior. And he has a lot of different experiences with innovation and um, creating opportunities for people to discover how to grow. So obviously the nice. great fit for the show. And that's going to be the 21st. Um, and then like I said, this will be up on YouTube immediately. And then Apple Podcasts soon-ish. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. depending on how the week goes. yeah. Um, and definitely folks follow uh, Dr. Wolf on uh, her website or her fe- Facebook page. And I'll put that in and hopefully we'll uh, hear back more about what you're up to. I can't wait till it launches. I want to see what, what, it, how, how it gets received and how people show up around it. Cause it sounds like a really positive thing. Well, thank you so much. And I truly appreciate being here. Um, like I said, this is the first opportunity I've had to talk about it
0: um, oh, wow. And so I am truly grateful and excited and thank you to everyone who listens. And um, again, please come along for the journey. We're here to learn from each other and, you know, support each other through um, this crazy thing called life.
1: <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you. Goodbye, everybody.
0: Bye. Thank you so much.